0: Welcome to the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. This is Sawyer Reed, your host, with uh, his guest, Mr. Walker Howell and Mr. Isaiah Leininger. How are you, Mr. Walker Howell? I'm great. How I'm are you, good.
1: Mr. Leininger? I'm confused. My job, it's been stolen. The one thing I do on the I show. am
0: the host of this great podcast in which we look at how um, we should examine worldly uh, problems through the perspective of God by going to his scripture and seeing what scripture has to say about the worldly issues that we see in the world today. In season four so far, we have been looking at the uh, realm of apologetics, which is a very important uh, study, a study in which I am emphasizing in as a Bible major. Um, it is very unappreciated, it underappreciated in the Brotherhood, and so we thought it would be important that we have a season devoted to apologetics. And in this episode, um, your host Sawyer and his guest, <laughs> Mr. Howell and Mr. Leininger will be looking at proving the resurrection. Um, to help uh, discuss this topic, we have Mr. Leininger and Mr. Um, Howell uh, with us. So I'll let them to tell you a little bit about themselves.
1: Well, I'm the real host of the show, and I think next episode, I'm going to get my job back, but, Sawyer, it is good to have you on the show, uh, and like you said, we're looking here at season four, uh, the apologetics issues, and we're looking at the resurrection of Christ. Only if this episode came out on April Fool's Day, wouldn't that be yeah. great? <laughs> you're, you're the big man on campus, Walker. You make it happen. Uh, but anyway, again, we're, we're thankful to have you on the show, Sawyer, even if you're stealing some of my thunder. And and Walker, always glad to have you as well. As Sawyer mentioned, he's a Bible major here with us at Freed, focusing on apologetics. So we definitely wanted to get uh, him on for this season. You've been on a couple other episodes of the show, haven't you, Sawyer? Yes. Do you remember which ones?
0: I've been on the Lord's Supper episode. And I've been on the, um, whatever the other one was, um, where we talked
2: about a very important issue Oh, I'm sure it was a very important issue, Sawyer. And, um, it was also in season three, I know. Yeah, and circumcision got brought up. Uh, well, <laughs> I'll find that episode while y'all continue. <laughs> we'll find it,
0: uh I bet it will be in the
1: description <laughs> of this episode. Probably. Uh, but the point is, Sawyer's been on the show before, and we're thankful to have him back on here again. The inspiration of scripture. The
0: inspiration of scripture. I don't know how circumcision got brought up in that discussion, but...
1: There, that's an inside joke. It will we, not whatever. be
0: brought up in this episode, I can assure you. It already has. Anyway.
1: <laughs> All right. Let's try and get this train moving because oh if we don't, maybe I actually will lose my job for real this time. <laughs> but like our show will get taken off the air. Yeah, for real. <laughs> but like we said, we're looking today at proving the resurrection of Jesus. We're looking at whether or not Christ actually rose from the dead. Is this a real thing, or is this something fake that people have been telling for generations? Uh, a fable, a myth, perhaps. But before we can really look at that, we have to first look at the question, why is the resurrection important? Why does this topic matter? Who cares if Jesus actually died and rose back to life? What? Why does that matter? Sawyer, do you want to have, go in on this? All
0: right, well, first we have to clarify what we mean by resurrection. Yes. Because you. there are... A lot of people that take resurrection as not a literal event, and they see it as a symbolic instead of a physical um, resurrection, but we see from the apostles, we see through writing uh, of, the, uh, of the gospels, we see through um, the messages that uh, Paul and Peter would preach, we see Even in prophecies of the Old Testament, all of which we'll be talking about in this podcast, um, all of it points towards a physical resurrection. And there's no reason to believe that this was kind of a metaphorical or an analogy for something else. Um, And it's important that we recognize it as a physical resurrection because without the resurrection, Jesus Christ was just some other guy. He, in fact, would not be the Christ, and he would just remain Jesus of Nazareth. Without the resurrection, he's just any other guy and no one would um, really—there would be no basis uh, of which we could uh, have our faith. Without the resurrection, we would have no faith. Resurrection was the ground of um, faith for the early church. That's what they held to and that's what was taught. Um, Again, as we're going to look at, most of the preaching that you'll see in the New Testament— most of it involves the resurrection. And in fact, I can't think of a single lesson where the resurrection's not brought up um, after Jesus' crucifixion. There may be one but I, I can't remember at this uh, at this moment. It was the ground of the faith, that, and that was in fact their way of evangelism. They would say um, to people that um, were without Christ, you know we have this um, we, ha- we have this resurrection that we can attain. and throughout history we've seen, That people have wanted to get to immortality. They wanted to get to eternal life. And they didn't know how to quite get there. Okay, you see with the Egyptians, they had their tombs. uh, And in those tombs, they would have the mummies. And then beside the mummies, you would have all these gold objects. And you would have all the riches that they've attained in their life. And they would think that that would eventually get them to um, eternal life. You have religions like... Uh, Hinduism or Buddhism, if you just do enough good actions, you'll reach nirvana or whatever they want to call it. And so there's always been this, uh, this desire to reach eternal life, but they don't have, they don't have a single person in their faith that was resurrected. While Christians do, we do have someone that was resurrected and we are the only major religion in the world that has a Figure that was resurrected from the dead and that's who we claim uh, Jesus Christ to be and that was a method of evangelism and people would say hey This is the real deal and if you really want eternal life if you really want the bread of life what Jesus uh, taught Then you can get that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ
1: And you know, it's interesting when we look at the idea of You know Christianity being the only religion to have people raised from the dead. We don't just have one Right, obviously, we have a very important one in Christ, and like you said, Sawyer, on that resurrection of Christ hangs everything that we believe on. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, then he wasn't really God's son, he wasn't really, you know, the chosen Messiah, and we really don't have a savior for our sins. But we see other instances in scripture where Jesus raised someone back to life, or where the apostles raised someone back to life. The most obvious example for me, at least is Lazarus in John chapter 11. Uh, Jesus raised that man back up to life. We see, again, Jesus doing this with, with other people. We see the apostles doing it as well. But the difference between Lazarus and Jesus was, you know, there, there's a couple there. A, Lazarus was resurrected because of Christ. Jesus was resurrected because he is the Christ. And secondly, Lazarus died again. Uh, we see in John chapter 11 that the Pharisees were, were so angry at Jesus for bringing Lazarus back to life that they tried to kill him again so that they could say, hey, look, this Jesus isn't who he says he is. Lazarus died again. Jesus did not. We have recorded for us the Ascension in Acts chapter 1 where Jesus appeared to his apostles after his death. He had rose back to life, appeared to his apostles, and we'll get more into that later. He spoke with them. He gave them some final words of teaching and encouragement, and then he rose back up into heaven. He didn't die again, right? Maybe you've heard a story of, of someone who was brought back to life in today's terms. You know, maybe they were had been medically dead, but you know, through CPR or medicine or something like that, they were brought back to life. They're they're gonna die again. That's just how humans work. That's how this world works. This world is. Finite, it's ending, right? People die, things get old, things get destroyed. Jesus rose back into heaven. So, is that that's ascension that again, that death, burial, and resurrection, and the ascension of Christ on those things hang everything that we believe in? If the resurrection isn't true, then we have no hope of heaven. If the resurrection isn't true, then we have no Savior. And we are, as Paul said, the most pitiable, pitiful of all people because we're spending our whole lives teaching and believing and following this guy who was crucified as a common criminal 2,000 years ago. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, we have nothing. Yep, and this is alluded to in 1
0: Corinthians chapter 15, um, Paul writes, starting verse 1, Now I make known to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received, and which you also stand, by which you are also saved, if you hold firmly to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I handed down to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So we see in the scripture that, for one, this was being preached because he said, I preach this to you. And then he also says that this uh, doctrine that I'm preaching to you is the one by which you are saved. If you heard firmly to it, and then he says that this is of the first importance. So you think of all the teachings that Paul um, taught people: uh, justification by faith, um, saved from sins, uh, etc. He's coming here, uh, writing here, uh, saying that the resurrection is the most important, and it is of first importance that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and in fact. Uh, you don't have justification by faith if you don't have the resurrection. You don't have forgiveness of sins if you don't have uh, Jesus Christ being resurrected. Um, you don't have heaven if you don't have Jesus Christ being resurrected. He says later in this chapter, and 1 Corinthians 15 is a great uh, chapter for um, the resurrection. Um, for the dead are not raised and even uh, Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ only in this life, we are of all people most to be pitied, which Isaiah referenced. Um, He says in verse uh, 13, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith is uh, also in vain. Moreover, we have even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, uh, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. Then he, I'm going backwards, obviously. Uh, you can go back to verse 11. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. Now, if Christ has preached uh, that he has been raised from the dead, how do you, how does some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? So we base our eternal life, our resurrection, based upon the fact that Jesus Christ was resurrected. And uh, we, we just have to hammer home this point. We do not have resurrection if Christ was not resurrected uh vice versa if uh christ was not resurrected if we don't have resurrection um which i think paul makes very very clear um in this in this scripture he says later in the chapter um uh whenever we are resurrected to the dead we are given an imperishable body in uh verse 42 and so we are resurrected from the dead. We are given a new body. I'm thinking back to a chapter in Ezekiel. I can't remember the exact chapter, but it, it's the dry bones scripture. Mm. And how um, God just made these uh, the, these dry bones to be alive, this physical resurrection. And that's very similar to how... That's chapter 37. For chapter this. 37, yes. I knew it was in the 30s. Um, that's very symbolic
1: of how our resurrection will be. I think that's an excellent, excellent point, Sawyer. You know, like you, like you, we, we've been saying this whole time, if there is no resurrection, we have no hope. And, and you know, we, we spent a good amount of time on this, but as you said, Sawyer, this is of first importance. Mm-hmm. On this hangs all the Gospels, all the law, all the prophets, everything. Mm-hmm. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then we have nothing. Mm. We've, we've got nothing. And it's just, you know... And, and Paul makes the point that, you know, he says, I received this teaching and I gave it to y'all, right? And this is what you have believed until some false teachers came in and started messing stuff up, right? And we we learn from uh, Galatians, especially chapters 1 and 2, that Paul did not get his gospel from some guy, right? He's not telling them a story that somebody else told him. He received this stuff by divine revelation, mm-hmm. right? If he saw Jesus... Uh, appeared to him on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9 and then Galatians chapters 1 and 2 tell us that he spent time wandering in the in the wilderness of Arabia with uh, receiving a divine revelation from God. He did not learn this from Peter or John or James or Andrew. Right? He wasn't a follower of Thomas or Bartholomew. He got this from God. And the fact is that the resurrection again it's it's so so important and, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting to look at how the enemies of Christ looked at the resurrection, right? Uh, when we look at the gospel accounts, what we see after the, the Pharisees and the Romans put Jesus to death, the Pharisees go to Pilate, the governor, and say, hey, we remember what this quote-unquote scoundrel said, that he was going to die and be raised again after three days. So we want to set a guard in front of the tomb to make sure that his disciples can't come in and steal the body. Mm-hmm. They didn't believe in the resurrection, but they believed that Jesus' uh, that Jesus's followers were going to try and make that claim come true, because Jesus had made that claim himself. He said, I'm going to die, be buried, and raise again after three days. Mm-hmm. And so the Pharisees try to set this guard up, and of course we know that Jesus raised from the dead, the, the angel came and rolled the stone away, and so the guards were scared and, and uh, were bribed to lie and say the apostles came and stole the body while we were sleeping, which is just the most ridiculous lie that I've ever heard in my life. How did you know it was the apostles if you were asleep? Well, that's neither here nor there. The point is, <laughs> the resurrection is something that people continually try to disprove. Mm-hmm. Because again, if there is no resurrection, we have nothing. Uh, I think it's interesting when we look at Acts chapter 5, Peter and John and some of the other apostles have been arrested and put on trial uh, in front of the Sanhedrin, in front of the, the Jewish leaders. And they're, they're just about ready to kill them at this point. They're so mad at at the apostles for doing these things and teaching. Uh, Verse 33 of Acts chapter 5 says that. It says that when they heard this, what the apostles were teaching, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Then one of the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in respect by the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. So this respected leader stands up says, let's cool off for a second, let's send them out, let's talk amongst ourselves. And this is what he says to them. Men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thudius rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census, and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. So the reason that I bring this passage up is is the point that Gamaliel makes. He says, look, there's been a lot of people claiming to be the Messiah. We've got this studious guy, we've got this Judas guy, now we've got this Jesus guy. We don't believe any of them, according to Gamaliel, according to the Jewish teachings. They didn't believe in any of them. But what Gamaliel was smart enough to point out was you know, those men rose up, got to follow me, and died. And that was the end of it. Their followers left, they were scattered, we don't hear anything more about them. <laughs> Jesus, if, if, if Jesus is just another guy, right, if he didn't raise from the dead, if Jesus is just another guy, then all these quote-unquote Christians are going to disappear. They're not, they're not going to be that important. Give them, a, give them a little bit, they'll fizzle out. But if they don't, If this guy truly was from God, then they're going to keep going. You're not going to be able to stop them. In fact, you're going to be trying to stop God himself, and that's stupid. You can't stop God. And I think the fact that we're talking about this 2,000 years later, that we're reading what Gamaliel said, that we're talking about Christ, I think it's safe to say that Christianity hasn't fizzled out. Because this was from God. Jesus was the Son of God, and God raised him up, Again, after spending three days in the tomb. But this isn't the only instance in the book of Acts where we talk about the resurrection. As you pointed out earlier, Sawyer, the book of Acts is full of talking of the resurrection because, again, it's a big point. I believe you wanted to reference another one in Acts chapter 17. Um, Yeah,
0: there's a lot of points where uh, the apostles are preaching the resurrection The big one that points out to me is Acts 17, which is the famous apologetic sermon. Okay, it starts with Paul um, starting on their philosophical uh, level, but we're going to see that by the time he gets to um, verse 32, he is preaching the resurrection. He says, Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to scoff, but others said, We shall hear from you again concerning this. So Paul, even though he started with this, um, this basic apologetic sermon about um, about about finding God Himself, uh, he he ends it by uh, referencing the uh, resurrection. And uh, something we have to notice is we don't have every word of every sermon that uh, was was preached. We don't have every um, line of Paul's uh, Mars Hill sermon or Aropicus sermon. And it could be very likely that he did directly reference the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but he did reference um, general people being raised from the dead. And uh, as we see in 1 Corinthians 15, if you're going to reference regular people getting raised from the dead, we have to mention Christ being raised from the dead. So Paul most likely did reference Christ being raised from the dead. And it was so important to Paul that even though he's preaching this apologetic sermon, he's going to get to the resurrection of Jesus somehow, some way, at some time. He's going to get there. And I think that's something that we need to model in our preaching. We need to get to the resurrection of Jesus Christ some way. If if our
1: lessons don't have anything to do with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, then why are we preaching them? Amen. Amen. Go ahead, Sawyer. I didn't mean to interrupt. I apologize. Oh, no,
0: that was basically it. Walker, (laughs) you got anything?
1: Y'all are doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I want to oh, go on. I, I was just going to point out, you know, we, we already referenced this again. Uh, but, you know, go, going into the idea of the empty tomb, right? We have record of people going and seeing the tomb for themselves. People like Mary Magdalene, people like Peter and John going to the empty tomb. And, and again, it's important to, to note here that Jesus was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And now that's important because we're, we're told in the scriptures that this was a fresh tomb, right? Of course, in, in that day and age, they were kind of living on a mountain or in a mountain. And so they would literally carve tombs out of a mountain. They were, And that, that's why, you know, the stone would be rolled in front. So all these critters couldn't get in and, and, and have at it with the bodies. Joseph of Arimathea had made this new tomb for himself and for his family. And because of his faith... Uh, Buried Jesus there. There was not any other bodies there. So this was an empty tomb. Only Jesus was buried there at this point. And so the apostles ran in and saw there were no bodies there. The the women came in and saw there were no bodies there. Jesus, his body, was gone. And it was not because the apostles rolled the stone away and snuck the body out and rolled the stone back while the uh, soldiers were sleeping it was because jesus rose back from the dead
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we have the report of the women in luke chapter 24 you know we have P- again peter and john going and seeing the tomb for themselves and, and going back to the apostles and saying this is what's really happened we have jesus appearing as, as paul reported for us in 1 Corinthians 15 appearing to all of these people time and time and time again and we have prophecies about in the old testament referring to the resurrection The one that uh, I find the most is Psalm 16, starting in verse 9. It says, Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, are pleasures forevermore. A lot of people associate that with being a prophecy about the resurrection, about Jesus. His his soul not being left there, but coming back into his body. And as we talked about already, ascending back into heaven, never tasting death again. We have so much scriptural evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. And that should be in and of a, you know, by itself enough for us to believe in the resurrection. But of course, if we're talking to our friends in the community who do not trust the Bible, who do not agree with the Bible, Then we have to have some other evidence as well right we we as christians know and understand that god's word is perfect that it's inspired that it does not have any flaws or contradictions in it that's not going to work for everybody so how can we go out and prove the resurrection to people who don't believe the scriptures
0: i think we should start by defending the scriptures Mm -hmm. before we get into the uh arguments against uh some people will make the claim that since uh, that this was just all a fake narrative and the apostles made it up, and we'll get into some reasons why that's obviously false later on whenever we get into historical arguments, but um, just at the face of this, the fact that women are um, the first people to see the resurrection. Okay, back then women were not trustworthy witnesses. Okay, they were thrown out. Yeah, they were okay? not allowed to testify before. They were not. And so why, if, a, if a bunch of apostles um, or people that are making this all up, um, why would they make a testifier of the resurrection of Jesus? In fact, the first per- people to see Jesus, women. Um, that's not something that a smart
1: person would just make yeah. up. It destroys any credibility that they're trying to build with this quote-unquote fake narrative. All right. Right. Yep.
0: Um and then another um psalm that I was thinking of is a uh, Psalm 23 which is the famous my god my god why hast thou 22. Um yeah, 22, sorry. Um my god my god why hast thou forsaken me. Um we see about halfway through I'd say verse tw- 22 probably. Um we see a praise of God and a proclaiming of his name. And so that is very much suggests that it switches from this agony of crucifixion to resurrection. That's something that uh, you, you can, I think you can make a, uh, a resemblance between. And then Jesus himself directly talks about the book of Jonah and how Jonah was in the, uh, in the body of the fish or whale or whatever you want to call it for three days. And he makes that comparison. And so we see in the Old Testament that there are plenty of prophecies about that. And then one more funny thing that I want to mention about the Old Testament is um, the Sadducees, they did not believe in the resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> and you see, that's why they, was, they were sad. They were sad, you see. Um, I was already because, that, you said it. because they did not believe in the resurrection. And so we should not be Sadducees. We should believe in the resurrection because there's plenty of evidence uh, to that. Please validate Sawyer in the comments because he worked hard on that joke. <laughs> I got it from Donnie Borden. <laughs> <laughs> Um <laughs> let, Let's go into the historical background now. Um, first, you have people in the early church that are testifying to it. You can go back to the early church figures. There's plenty of them. Um, and they'll all testify uh, to Jesus Christ being raised. And many of them would be martyrs, okay? They would go to their grave. And we'll go to... We'll, um, talk about the apostles in just a second and their modernum. Uh That's for a little bit longer uh, or a little bit later in the discussion. But the early church figures themselves, they would go to their grave protecting the Gospels and protecting the account that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. If they know it's a myth, which there's plenty of people that will say that the early church fathers, they knew it was a myth and they were just making this all up. If they knew it was a myth, and this goes, same for the apostles. Why would they go to their grave for it? Mm. Why would they go to their grave for a lie? And so I think that's very um, convicting.
1: You know, when we look at a lot of other denominations in the world or in other religions, uh, what we see a lot of the times is there's there's what, uh, what was described for us in Acts chapter 5. There's a leader, he rises up, and then when they... Start facing persecution, a lot of people will later recount those those testimonies that they gave earlier. Uh, I'm not trying to, you know, cast judgment on this particular group, and so in in order to do that, I'm not going to actually mention what name, uh, what denomination this is. But there is a denomination out there that you know had this, uh, you know, man as a as a leader came and started teaching this. Uh, what we would call a different gospel or a fake gospel and it rose up and had these men who call themselves, you know, prophets or apostles or things like that. And a lot of them recounted their testimony after their leader died, you know, because they they started facing persecution and ended up having to flee the area where they started. You know, just, you know, we don't see that with Christianity. We don't see that with, with true followers of Christ, mm-hmm. right? Especially about the resurrection. As you said Sawyer, so many early Christians were given chances to recount this and to say, "I don't believe in in Jesus. I don't. I don't think he's he's Lord. I don't think he rose from the dead." But they didn't. They went to their grave proclaiming that Jesus was Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see a, a huge example of this in the Book of Acts with the story of Stephen. Right? Stephen is full of. Uh, a, the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom. He's teaching. He's performing signs. People don't like that very much, so they arrest him. They put him on trial. And Stephen basically says, look, y'all, here's where we're at. You guys are Jews. You're descended from Abraham. God had this promise to Abraham. He had this promise to Isaac and to Jacob and to Moses and all of these people that he was sending the Messiah. And guess what? You killed him, and he rose back to life. Mm -hmm. And they didn't like that very much, and so they killed him. Why would people die for a lie? Hmm. Right? If you're making up some story you know, for whatever reason to you know, gain popularity or to become wealthy or you know, to make people like you, whatever, why would you die on that hill? Right? What, what, what sense would it make to give your life for something that you know is a lie? If you truly believe in something, you're willing to die for it. Right? People are willing to die for a cause. And that's why we see so many things like you know, the Revolutionary War here in this country or our Civil War or us going over and fighting in the World Wars in Europe. Right? There was a cause there. There was an enemy that we needed to defeat. I, I, I would find it highly unlikely for people to go fight in those, those kinds of wars knowing that they very well could lose their life if they didn't believe in the cause. Right? If they didn't believe in freedom from the oppressive British government if they didn't believe in reuniting the country and, and you know, the emancipation of the slaves, they didn't believe in, in stopping the, the world powers in Europe from destroying each other, right? Why would they die for something they don't believe in? It doesn't make any sense to me because as humans, we cherish our life more than anything else. And that's why we're willing to do so much to lengthen it and make it better and continue to live. I think you make an excellent, excellent point there with the martyr slayer.
0: Now, let's, uh, as we start wrapping up, let's talk about some arguments against the resurrection and try to refute some of them. Um, One is, did Jesus actually die? I just find that to be. uh, I don't want to be rude, so. (laughs) uh, I just find that to be completely ignorant. Of history. And scholarship. And the Bible. I w- yeah, and the Bible, obviously. And science. Um, what? And science. Yeah, yeah and <laughs> common sense. Yeah. Any of it. it. So, even the most atheistic scholars will concede the point that Jesus Christ was a real person and he actually died. Crucifixion is the most grueling process. And you're not going to leave a cross alive. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Um, once you're on that cross, you're dead. <laughs> okay, there's no getting... We, we see from the biblical account that th- they made sure Jesus Christ was dead. Um, and they would have done that because um, they had to make sure he was off the cross for Sabbath day. Right.
1: Um, yeah, when we, I didn't mean to cut you off your side uh, you, but know, when we look at the process of crucifixion, the Romans, if I remember correctly, had taken this idea from the Phoenicians and perfected it, right? They had it nailed down to a science. They knew exactly how much pain and torture to inflict on someone to keep them alive, uh, to continue to afflict them and to, you know, bring them a great amount of pain and anguish so that these people were suffering for a long time and were made an example of, right? When we look at the actual crucifixion process, the scourging, the incredible beating and, and and blood loss that occurred there, and then the process of carrying your own cross, and you know, literally having nails driven through your arms and your legs to hold you up on the cross, where you would hang in such a position that your lungs would collapse, and the only way that you could push, your, and the only way that you could breathe is if you pushed yourself up, which you know created great agony because you were. Again, tearing that, that skin around your arms and your legs where the nails were, and then they would come and break your legs, so you would just hang there and suffocate. They did all of that except breaking the legs of Jesus, to Jesus, and they went above and beyond. They they because Jesus didn't suffer as long as many people did on the cross, and so they came and we see in the scriptures where they literally stabbed him in the side with a spear, and blood and water and blood as water gushed out. Right. You're not surviving that kind of blood loss, especially after what he had already been through with the crucifixion process, with the scourging, with the beating that he had received, with the crown of thorns. You cannot survive that. There is no way on earth. Now, the only way that this could happen was by a divine miracle, and but we we are very we see very clearly in the scriptures that Jesus yielded up His spirit, that Jesus died. Right, the scriptures are very plain there. If it was a divine miracle, I do not know why the scriptures would not have said so. So yes, absolutely. Jesus actually died. There was no way that he could have survived what the Romans did to him. There was no way. Yep. And so
0: they make that claim because they're trying to reconcile people seeing Jesus after the resurrection, which they don't think he was actually resurrected. But even then... Wouldn't the apostles have been able to notice, uh, just based on looking at him, that he he had just been off a cross? From my image of what happened after the resurrection, it's not like he was all bloodied, and that could be wrong, Um, but I I don't see that, and so... It's just not likely at all. all. All the evidence points towards Jesus Christ actually dying, and there is no way you're leaving the cross, as Isaiah made pretty clear. Um, if you want a good uh, example of what the crucifixion was like, you can just watch Passion of Christ. Um, it makes it pretty vivid, and no one's going to escape that. No. And by the time that the Roman soldiers stabbed him, he was already dead. Yes. He had already yielded up the Spirit. So... Uh, that was just to make sure that he was dead.
1: Right. You know, it's, in, it's interesting, like you said, Sawyer, people will bring up this point because they want to say that Jesus, you know, they, he w- they went through the entire burial process and got him ready for burial and put him in the tomb, and all he was was just unconscious, and he was just unconscious for a few days, and then he was, you know, he woke up in the tomb on Sunday morning and walked out. And again, how could someone who suffered the things that Jesus suffered survive that amount of blood loss? And in how you know, how would people not realize that, hey, this guy still has a pulse? Hey, this guy is still breathing. He's just unconscious. Right? And even if that were true, how was someone who went through that amount of physical pain and torture and suffering able to roll away a stone and escape from some guards? Nothing about that argument makes any sense to me. Kind of like the, the argument that we have next that we want to talk about, did the apostles just take the body? And I've already expressed my views on this a few times. I find this argument to be kind of kind of ridiculous. Okay, I just want
0: to bring up something. Um, I'm getting this information from Christianity.com, so I'm not sure how accurate it may be. Um, but this is pretty common information. It is based on church history and what the church fathers said, and like um, that, there were points where the church fathers were wrong, but um, this is just what church history has said about the apostles. Um, both Peter and Paul were um, executed. Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified uh, upside down. Most uh, That's what church history says, that he was crucified upside down. Um, Andrew was crucified. Um, Thomas was pierced with spears. Um, Philip was arrested and cruelly put to death. Uh, Matthew was stabbed to death in Ethiopia. Bartholomew was, um, there's various accounts to how he met his death, but he was a martyr. Um, James was stoned and clubbed, according to Josephus, the Jewish historian. Um, Simon the Zealot, he was killed, it doesn't really say why. Um, Matthias was burned, and John is the only one that, uh, classically has not been thought to have died a, uh a martyr's death but there is a uh, story that he was cast into boiling oil in Rome and i think this goes back to our point that why would they lo- why would they go to their death over a lie why would they go through that whenever they knew it was false. Right. I think it's because they knew that Jesus Christ was resurrected and as Paul writes, this was the most important thing mm-hmm. and they were willing to go through their deaths for that. Yeah.
1: If, if the apostles came and stole the body away from, from the tomb and you know, were trying to parade it around as if Jesus was alive and walking, that would, A, that does not make any sense from a gospel standpoint all right, we see Jesus appearing to a lot of other people besides the apostles. We have record of that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We see Jesus talking to those two Christians or two, uh, two followers on the road to Emmaus. You know, just all of these things that, you know, it wouldn't make any sense for them to claim that Jesus had been seen by that many people if he hadn't been. But again, also just the argument that, you know, how did the soldiers know that it was the apostles who came and stole the body away, you know, in quotation marks there, if they were asleep? That's what the Pharisees paid them to say because they didn't want to accept that Jesus had risen from the dead. So they came up with this crazy story that people believed because, again, they didn't want to accept the resurrection of Christ. Because if they accept the resurrection of Christ, they have to accept the rest of his teachings as well. Yeah, and very good points uh, by both of y'all. And y'all have really done
2: a great job with this episode. And I've just sat back and listened to y'all's knowledge and wisdom flow out. Um, but, you know, I was thinking about uh and we'll get back to more arguments against the resurrection in just a second. But I was thinking about how, um, you know, if the if the resurrection didn't happen and and if they were doing all this for a lie, and it turns out that everything was a lie, like what we've been saying, then it really just disproves the whole Bible. It it really makes the Bible useless because, it, looking back through the Old Testament, the whole Old Testament was preparing the 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 people for the coming of Jesus. It is the it is the time that before jesus actually comes to earth as uh, flesh we see multiple accounts of jesus being referenced in the old testament not explicitly but indirectly and we see many prophecies about jesus and the resurrection uh that would happen in the new testament and we see about how he's going to come to this earth and there will be no broken bones as, as isaiah alluded to earlier and so really if the resurrection wasn't real or if it wasn't true at all then Really, the whole Bible would be inaccurate, and the Bible would just be useless because the Bible is the greatest redemption story that was ever written. And the key thing to the redemption story was the resurrection of Jesus, and so this is what this is the tying piece to making the Bible what it is, and it is really that that um, that core centerpiece. It's the heartbeat of Scripture. This is what us Christians depend on because without the resurrection, we don't have a hope of heaven. We don't have forgiveness. We don't have grace. We don't have mercy. We don't have any of these things that we have today. But because of the resurrection and because we're able to see uh, through not only history, but through uh, other things within scripture and just other things uh, within uh, the medical field and things like that, we can see that the resurrection actually did happen. All right, back to arguments. Um the next argument is is the
0: resurrection even possible? Um well here's the easy answer. Yeah. Um no actually. Yeah. Uh because here's the thing with resurrection and here's our whole claim. It's only possible because of God. Correct. It is only it there is a divine necess- necessity to resurrection. Um by human scientific terms? No, it can't happen. Um, you look at movies like, like Frankenstein. Um, I I don't, it's not possible. (laughs) Okay. Uh, There may be a way that you could maybe do something. I I don't know how the science works, but like you're, there's no way you're going to make someone who is dead come back to life. It's just not going to happen. Or they would have done it already. Right. Okay, there's plenty of people they would have brought back to life. Okay, they would have brought back Einstein. They would have brought back... Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King. JFK. Name it. <laughs> George Washington. That was a long time ago, though. Um, Abe Lincoln. Julius... Well, they probably wouldn't have brought him back to life either. <laughs> there's plenty of people they would have brought back to life, but here's the thing. It's impossible. Okay. What makes it possible is God. Amen. And it's the same thing with uh, the resurrection of Lazarus. Um, as Isaiah referenced earlier, the only way that was able to happen was Christ. Um, resurrection by just, without divine, um, divine influence, it's impossible. Um, but I think that tells us just what we're dealing with here. We are dealing with God doing something that is simply unimaginable. And uh, by human terms, us alone, we cannot do it. But God can. And that's what makes resurrection so special and so outside of ourselves. Um, We cannot resurrect ourselves. We cannot bring ourselves back to life. We cannot make ourselves eternal beings, um, never to die again. But God can. And that's what makes resurrection so special.
1: And I think when we look at that, and in terms of you know application for this episode, so you're you're absolutely right. If we're dead, we're dead. Right? We can't bring ourselves back from that. It's only because of the grace of God, and the love of God, and the power of God, that Jesus rose back to life. In a spiritual sense talking about us, we are dead to sin our sin, our choices that go against what God has told us to do have literally killed us. And literally, of course, I mean spiritually. Not, you know, I I do a sin and I die. But spiritually speaking, the wages of sin is death. That's what Romans 6.23 tells us. But the passage doesn't start there. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but... The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We cannot save ourselves from our sins. We cannot make ourselves spiritually resurrect. But God can through his son. It was the resurrection of Christ that brings us this hope of salvation. Jesus went to earth. He died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb and he rose to walk again we have an emulation of that process with baptism. We die to our sins, we're buried in baptism, and we rise to walk in newness of life. We see that so many times throughout the Scripture. I I think especially Romans chapter 6 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We cannot make ourselves spiritually alive because we are dead to our sins. But God, through His love and His power and His grace, brings us back to life. And so the take home for this episode is that, yes, we can know and we can be sure, we can be certain of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And because of that, we have an opportunity to be with him in heaven for all eternity if we obey his commands and remain faithful to him all our life. No, I reckon that's all we needed to say on that point yeah. Sawyer again we we appreciate you coming out and, and talking with us and reasoning with us both from the scriptures and from history. Uh, I think this was a very beneficial episode and again we're we're very very uh, thankful for you coming on the show and, and helping us out with this. Uh, I'm thankful for you coming on my show <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to talk about that later but anyway, is there anything else that needs to be said before we close the episode off in prayer? Oh. Yes, I remember the, the uh, stereotypical episode closing. Maybe you should come back and host the show more. Of, sorry. We understand that we went through this a lot of information in a fairly short amount of time. So if there was something that we said that you didn't understand or that you disagree with, you have a question about, we would love to sit down and talk with you about these things. Because again, the resurrection is the basis of our hope. If there's no resurrect, resurrection, we have nothing. And so we would love to be able to sit down and talk with you about the resurrection. There's several ways that you can get in contact with us. You can message us on Instagram or on Facebook or on Twitter. We have a website, info at tteoj.com. You can uh, find our social media there. You can find our email there as well. And just there's tons of different ways that you can reach out to us. We would love to talk with you about this subject or any other subject. That you want to talk about we would love to hear from you have any questions or concerns or you know, anything like that we would love to hear from you we love you guys and we're so thankful for all of you at home who continues to support us and encourage us and to help us as we strive to look at worldly problems from a godly perspective and referencing
0: um the importance of this topic uh first timothy chapter three um Paul, or yeah, Paul, at the end of the letters, or the end of chapter three, is talking about um important things that the church should never uh have to debate about. These are things that should be without controversy, and one of those is taken up into glory that Christ was taken up into glory, and part of that involves the resurrection. So the resurrection, it is important. We should not have any controversy about it, and any. Uh, disagreements and so if there are disagreements we have to sort them out because that's something that's non-negotiable and it's something that we should all be in unison about and throughout every faith we should or every denomination or every um, viewpoint of scripture we should all have a common agreement on what the resurrection is because it's that important
1: Amen. Amen Is there anything else that we need to say before we close the episode off in prayer gentlemen? I think we covered it all Alright, well again thank you Sawyer for being here, thank you Walker for all your help uh, both in the episode and taking care of a lot of the behind the scenes things and if there's nothing that needs to be said then we're going to go to God in prayer Dear Heavenly Father Lord of all there is and creator of all there is, Lord we are so glad to serve you Who, Lord you are such a merciful God, you're such a loving God, you're such a such a gracious God you recognize Lord that our sins had separated us and we were dying to our sins, and so you, you prepared your son long before we were ever on the earth to be sent here and to live a sinless life, to be sent to the cross, to die, to be buried, and to raise again, to give us hope for tomorrow, to give us hope for forever. Lord, we're so thankful for the scriptures that tell us time and time again about the resurrection of Jesus, We're so thankful for the historical knowledge that we have that, again, confirms what your word tells us. Lord, we know that we did not deserve that sacrifice, that you sent Jesus to to the earth while we were still sinners, while we were still ungodly, while we were still your enemy. But you didn't care. You, You loved us enough to send your son to anguish on the cross so that we could live for you. Help us, Lord, to honor our commitment to you and to always remember that you are first in our lives and that everything we do needs to be for your glory. Thank you, Lord, for the day that we have to talk about your word. Thank you, Lord, for all those at home who have heard it. We pray that this message has been uplifting and encouraging and, uh, and helpful to all those who have heard it as it was for us who have prepared it. Thank you, Lord, for your word, for your children, and most of all, for your Son which in his name we pray, amen. Amen.